As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. This is Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Park. Do you want to live a more fulfilling life? Do you want to live your legacy and achieve your personal, professional, and financial goals? Well, coming up on Divya Park's Beyond Confidence, you will hear real stories of leaders, entrepreneurs, and achievers who have stepped into discomfort, shattered their status quo, and are living the life they want. You will learn how relationships are the key to achieving your aspirations and financial goals. Moving your career or business forward does not have to happen at the expense of your personal or family life, or vice versa. Learn more at www.diviapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at diviapark.com. This is Beyond Confidence and now here's your host, Divya Park. Good evening listeners, Monday evening and thrilled to be here with you. And I wanted to share something very exciting that happened recently. One of my team members reached out to me and shared that my book, Export to Influencer, is still on the bestseller list, folks. Super excited about it and just wanted to share it with you because for the past couple of months, I have signed up at kiva.org, which is K-I-V-A.org, where the profits from my book are going to American business owners who are facing crisis at this point in time. So if you have not got your copy yet, I'll greatly appreciate if you can get it because that will really help our business owners and it will help you too if you're looking to establish your branding and become an influencer. So that's a little housekeeping out of the way. And today we have a very awesome guest today. It's Captain Melanie Cagle. Welcome, Melanie. 
Hi, Divya. Did I get your last name right? You did. Fantastic. So, folks, Melanie has earned her Master Peace Officer License, Master Jailer License, and Master Telecommunicator License. She has got a ton of certifications. She is an instructor in the Navarro College Police Academy, NCIC TCIC Associate Trainer, Vice President for the Texas Association of Hostage Negotiators, and she has been a trained negotiator. She has worked with the SWAT commander, and now she's the team leader in charge of all quarterly trainings and all negotiation operations during team callouts, along with all record keeping. So folks, we are going to have a different conversation today. So first of all, thank you for all that you do, Melanie. Oh, I appreciate that. That makes me sound very busy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> It's always interesting, right? You know, like when you have gone through your life, you don't realize how much you have earned, how much you have gained. And when somebody says, and then you say, hmm, really? Is that me? So yes, happens. when you write it down, when you write it down, it's even impressive to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is very impressive. So, when you were a child, did you ever play, you know, sometimes I've seen so many young kids dressed up as cops or even during Halloween, or did you have any inkling that you would go in this direction in your career when you were a child? No, ma'am, not when I was really little. When I was really little, I, I think I thought I would be a teacher. I played school a lot and never once thought about being a police officer as a small child that didn't even come into mind. Um, my mom was a nurse. My dad was a mechanic. There was no law enforcement in the family. It wasn't until probably around junior high where I don't know where the interest came from, but I knew from a pretty young age that I was going into law enforcement. I didn't know what aspect or where I would go with it, but I, I don't know why I knew, but I knew from a pretty young age. And what was it that created that knowing within you? Because there's so many people who don't know where they want to go in life, what do they want to be, what they're passionate about. You know, I had a pretty rough upbringing. Uh, there was a lot of obstacles and a lot of things that, that happened. I had some good, really good memories, but I also have some not so good memories. And I don't know if um, I've always just wanted to help people. I've always been interested in what people think and why they think what they think and why they act the way they act. Uh, psychology has always been very interesting to me. And so I don't know if just wanting to help people combine with my interest of the way people work, just combine, just overwhelm me. I don't know. But I've, I've always known that this is where I was going to go. I actually thought I would be a state trooper and then ended up at a sheriff's office. And I've been there almost 20 years now. So 
I guess uh, I knew from a young age. <laughs> yes, you definitely knew from a young age, and it's almost as if it sounds as if you had a calling and you just knew it. That's pretty much how I feel about it because I never really could imagine doing anything else. You know, I had the odd jobs here and there through college trying to figure out what I was going to do and none of it was fulfilling. None of it made me happy. And then the second I, I walked into the door at my office, um, it was home and it's been home for, you know, I said almost 20 years now. And that's uh, wonderful. So we had a question, Donald had asked a question if you were in military, so you already answered that question. So as you moved went, went straight to college, I went straight to college from high school. With, mm. I thought about military, that had crossed my mind, but I, I really wanted to go into the criminal justice right away. And so that's, that's where I went. So as you moved through college, did you take courses that prepped you for getting into sheriff's office? Yes. My major was criminal justice, and then I had a minor in music. Mm. Well, in high school, I was um, drum major, first chair clarinet. I, I was all about the band stuff. Did a little bit of sports, but I really, really liked that. And so that helped get me to college. And so I, I kind of tried to balance both, but always knew that criminal justice was where it was going to be. So as you moved it and... Can you share with us, you know, how did you get into the academy first and from the academy? What was your first job and what was it like? My first job in law enforcement was actually at my office. I uh, started out as a telecommunications officer. Um, I was kind of slow in getting into my profession only because um, I kind of veered and decided to start a family and that took me away from my goal of finishing school when I wanted to. Um, I kind of put it on the back burner. And actually, it was my husband who, who pushed me. He said, you're so close. Why are you not finishing this? I know it's going to be hard, but it'll be worth it because you're doing something that you don't love. And so um, he got me back into it. And then we moved to this area. And I, I remember thinking, okay, I want to do something law enforcement. I actually went to the fire department and asked if they had dispatchers and they said no. And they referred me to the sheriff's office. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's a foot in the door to figure out what I really want to do. And if this is really what I'm supposed to do. And I was fortunate enough to, to be selected for the job. It actually, back then it took several months to even get in the door. The backgrounds are so intense, which makes perfect sense. Um, even as a telecommunications officer, you went in with the same background as a peace officer. So I finished my education while I was working. I worked for eight years as a telecommunications officer. I worked for four before I had my peace officer's license. So I stayed back there several more years just as a certified peace officer, but staying comfortable, I guess. Um, and that's just because I had moved up in rank. Um, I'd already been given a corporal position. I was on day shift. I had kids. It worked out with my life. I was very comfortable. And switching over to the patrol unit meant going to midnight, working the weekends with Tuesdays and Wednesdays off, 
missing a lot of the time with your family. And so that was a, a pretty big leap. And I believe it was also my husband that pushed me into that one too and said, what are you doing? You're, you're certified. Why are you not doing this? Um, I had a pretty easy transition to the patrol division, mostly because I had worked with those officers for eight years. Uh, they trusted me. I trusted them. So my field training was very easy. It was basically applying what I'd already been doing behind a computer. And now it was just testing my skills face-to-face. I wasn't on the phone anymore. I was actually face-to-face. Um, it worked out very well for me. I really had no issues. Um, have I feel very good instincts about people. Knew when to be extra careful. You know, when you could spend a little bit more time with people. It was actually kind of funny. My, my partners um, named me Counselor Cagle because I would spend so much time talking to people. And I, my philosophy of that was if you'll spend just a few extra minutes, as long as you're not holding up other calls or, or taken from anything else, but if you'll stay a few extra minutes and answer their questions and give them everything that they need so that they fully understand the situation they're in, then it's not likely they're going to call you back for that same situation. So... That's the way I always approached it. Um, I was very courteous, treated people right, um, never had any big complaints. Most of the people, even if I was taking them to jail, I would walk them through what was the process, what was going to happen, especially a, maybe a younger person who's never been to jail before that's really scared. People that are scared tend to act out. So I would take the time to say, hey, this is what's happening. This is where we're going. This is what it's going to look like. I'm not going to just leave you there. You're not going to be with the maximum security people. You know, you're going to see the judge first thing in the morning. You know, I promise you this is not going to be as bad as what you're imagining in your mind. Just whatever I could to comfort them so that I didn't have any problems. It was it was fulfilling in two ways. I wasn't going to have any problems and they were going to be more relaxed going into that setting. Um, so just that my years on patrol were invaluable to learning how to deal with people face-to-face. The, the dispatching end of it, you learned how to deal with them on the phone and how to manage them and do a lot of things at one time. But you were going from call to call to call, and you couldn't really spend the time with people that you really would have liked to. Whereas on patrol, you could spend the time with them because you were face-to-face and you had to manage the situation. And then... Um, from there, the, the sheriff at the time, while I was on patrol, I noticed that we did not have a negotiations unit, nothing formal. We had a couple people that were trained in it, but our SWAT team was being called out on all these big things. And the sheriff and I, who he was a detective and over the SWAT team at the time, him and I sat down and we talked about it. And I said, you know, I'd really like to have more of something formal. So if the SWAT team's going out, negotiations should be there too, because not everything needs to go hands-on. Some things can actually be talked out. Lucky for me, he's a very forward thinker, and he agreed with me. So I went to the training, kind of got a little bit under my belt trying to figure out how to make it work. He also attended the same training, which is very unusual for a SWAT guy to want to learn the negotiation side of it. But he wanted to know all of it. And actually, he's on my team now. Um, he comes to the conferences and everything. He he does everything right there with us, trains with us, whatever. Because even though he goes to a scene now as an incident commander and he's running everything, he still wants to understand what we're doing so that he's running it the way that it needs to be. 
So I've been very blessed in that area. Um, getting in with the Texas Association of Hostage Negotiations, we originally started that just for training hours because negotiators here and we have to have 40 hours of continuing education every year that's directly related to negotiations. So the conference was a, a good way to do that. And so I attended for several years just as, you know, a paid subject going. And then I met a, a lot of people. Um, I'm pretty friendly. I like to talk to people big about the psychology, like I said. So I, I love talking to people. And then somewhere along the way, I was, you know, asked, hey, will you fill this spot? And then if you will fill it and you like it, will you run for it? And so I, I did that, and I've been a part of TON ever since. And I've learned a lot from just being able to do that. So it's been blessings all the way along. You know, I've been married for going on 25 years. I've been at the sheriff's department going on 20 years. Um, everything's been – I've been pretty blessed, I'll, I'll admit. Well, that's good to hear. And the wish that, you know, the blessings continue for you. Thank you. So one of our listeners, Cammy, is asking great question. Do you find women or men to be better at talking people down? Uh, that's a very good question. I am going to tell you, I mean, it's almost like the title, it depends. Um, I've been in situations where I'm the best person for it um, just because you think about it. I mean, you know, like close your eyes and you think about it. You have someone who's in crisis. They're in a very bad way. They're not in the right state of mind. They're not thinking clearly. They're dangerous to themselves. They're dangerous to anybody that's around them. And then you have this group come in of predominantly male, large officers with their vests, their guns, their rifles, uh, their trained SWAT or whatever teams. That's very, very intimidating on an already stressful moment. So I've found there's many times that I am the best one because my voice comes out and all of a sudden they're like, what is that? You know, I, I am dressed in the same thing, but they're going to see me differently or they're going to hear me. A lot of times we try not to do face to face because that's not the right way to do it. We, we never try to do that, but sometimes you have to. So the times that I have done it, it's been very calming and relaxing for them because I'm going to talk to them just like I'm talking to you. I'm just going to use the techniques that I've been trained and I'm going to pay close attention, but then I have a whole team behind me helping me. But there's been a couple of times that I knew right off I was not the right one. Um, for instance, you have somebody who's ex-military, his wife has left him, and he's very proficient in weapons. He's very challenging, very aggressive. And the first thing he hears is my voice. And if the first words out of his mouth are, hey, I don't mean any disrespect, but I'm not talking to a woman. Did not hurt my feelings for a second. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm not the one that you need to be talking to. And then you change positions and you go to more of a coaching position where you're just listening and helping guide the other person. So it's very dependent on the needs. And here's the thing. You don't always get it right. Um, one of my partners may start it and then I may need to pick it up. Or I may start it and one of them needs to pick it up. We can't build a rapport with that person. Something's just not clicking. So you can never be so proud that you say, this is my negotiation. I'm the team leader. I'm going to do this. That's not the way that this works. Pride goes out the back window. Uh, you, there's no place for pride, in, to me, in any law enforcement work. 
It's just about who is best suited. That's why you have a team, a group of people. All of them bring different attributes to the group. And so you just have to hope that you pick the right one or you have the opportunity to get the right one on there before it goes too bad. Mm, Very profound. So Paige is asking, can you be a negotiator and not be a cop? Mm, Well, that's kind of an iffy thing. Um, In our department, you have to be a certified police officer, uh, which we're all deputy sheriffs, but we're not all peace officers. Uh, It's part of our policy that you have to be a peace officer to be on our team. Now, the state, the way it's mandated, I'm going to tell you who I think makes really good negotiators, and that's telecommunicators. Whether they're peace officers or not, it doesn't matter. Conflict resolution is one of the main things that they do, and de-escalation, because they're usually the first ones on the phone with these people. And so, um, you know, I would like to be able to bring in that aspect, and some departments do. There's several departments throughout the state that have uh, telecommunicators that can come in as long as they're, they're licensed with their department. Because everybody, whether you're a jailer, a peace officer, a telecommunicator, it's all a state license here in Texas. So they're all licensed, but like I said, for our, for our department, you have to be a peace officer, which we have... I'm on the team as a captain over communications. That's my current position. Um, I have a jailer who's a deputy in the jail who has uh, went through the police academy and become a certified police officer. He's just joined my team. I have two patrol sergeants and the sheriff. So these are people with, you know, you take the guy from the jail. Um, I'm glad he went and got his peace officer's license. Uh, He's a smart kid. He's bilingual. He brings something new to the table. He's worked in a jail environment for years. He knows how these people think. He knows how they act. He knows he knows so much about them that that's a true asset to us. And then just having the guys on patrol with their experience and mine with communications and then the sheriff, he's done everything. Our sheriff has been there 30 years. He started as a jailer in 1989, and he's worked every department until becoming sheriff. So, we're, we're a very good team. Oh, that sounds wonderful because it's the team when the team comes together. You have each other's back. It's home away from home, and especially when yeah. you're going through stressful situations. Right. We, we train together. We depend on each other. We work well with each other. Um, you know, like I said, we go to the conferences every year together, and that's a five-day conference. So... We get to spend all that time together. So, I mean, and we've all known each other. Every one of us has been at the sheriff's department, you know, 10 plus years. So we're friends and we trust each other. Oh, that's fantastic. Vincy, I hope so. I got your name correct. She's asking, what is the difference between a deputy and a peace officer? Okay. When you work for a sheriff's office, this is how it works in Texas. When you work for a sheriff's department, everybody that comes in gets deputized. That means they're a deputy sheriff. Uh, They can be assigned to admin, uh, jail, telecommunications, uh, detective, patrol. There's all these uh, courthouse security. There's all these different branches that they can go into. But it's once you take a state exam and go through the training that gets you to the state exam that separates you. So we don't, 
not everybody that's a deputy at the sheriff's department is a certified peace officer because they don't have to be. You don't have to be a peace officer to work in admin or to work in the jail or to be a telecommunicator. You only have to be one if you're going to go out on the streets or be a detective or work our courthouse security because they, they can lawfully make arrests. Mm-hmm. I, hope that ex- I hope that explains it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does explain it. And so as you talked about, you know, you went through, you have this wonderful camaraderie. And as you went through the negotiation, certification, can you tell us a story or two that you're allowed to share using negotiation in real life examples? And how did the situation turn out? Um, we've had, we've had a pretty good mix of things from what I would call minor to pretty major. Um, the last one that we did, um, I really can't go into detail. We're going to be, um, my sheriff and I are going to, we're putting a presentation together for our conference this year. We're actually going to present it to all the attendees because it was just so different. Rural being, we're a rural community. We are an hour South of Dallas. A uh, pretty small community, like 50,000, I think, in our county. Um, but we we had a situation that was really different. It, it stood out. Um, it was way more challenging. Uh, I'll just say that, you know, he was a young man um, under the influence of, my guess is meth, some drug, that had him not thinking clearly. And he was doing some very erratic things that were dangerous to himself and at some points dangerous to us. Um, he was not within reality. The things that he thought were happening were not even happening. So the challenge of that is getting through his delusions and trying to make him understand that that's not really happening um, or what you're going to do about it to help fix it. And honestly, with him, it was just, he. I think he just wanted someone to hear him. He has kind of a rough life, been in and out of jail. He's divorced, has several kids. Um, I think he lost his job, just got out of jail. You know, he, he had that whole mix of things that you would look for. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And put a check mark next to, yep, this makes him dangerous. And um, we ended up talking him down, which was, it was really interesting. Uh, and it was good. Uh, it took a lot of resources to make that happen. Um, the other one I told you, you know, I think he suffered from PTSD. He was ex-military. His wife had just left him. A friend had committed suicide. He was more of a challenge person. Like when he called in, it was, you know, hey, don't you have a SWAT team? Yes. Well, they train, right? Yes. Well, why don't you bring them on over here? and We're going to see how good their training is. You know, so very, um, and specifically mentioning certain officers, um, in a bad way. So he, he was a little bit challenging until we got there. And then honestly with him, I think it was the brute force of what he saw around him where he decided he had made a mistake, but he, although not wanting to talk to me, which was perfectly fine. Um, it did not take him long to conform to basically our demands instead of him giving us his, we knew what his were and he knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, gosh, we've dealt with a guy on the interstate that, um, he came up from Houston all the way to our area, which is, you know, probably three hours worth of driving causing havoc the whole way. Um, he had robbed a convenience store for cigarettes and beer. He had shot at officers in the community South of us. And we ended up getting out with him and he was, he was young and he was very interesting in his approach to everything. Um, it worked pretty well with him. Um, he did some, gosh, I don't want to go into the specifics of it because I, oh, don't, yeah, I no, don't know for absolutely. sure the, the court cases went, but he was very interesting. It's interesting when you're dealing with someone who has alcohol right there and the adrenaline and when they shut down the whole interstate, um, they have a lot of eyes on them. Like there was a, a news helicopter, there was a DPS helicopter. It made it very challenging because it had to be a face-to-face with lots of people around him and then me trying to yell and him trying to yell back. Um, he ended up not really listening to my directive as well as I would have liked him to. I gave him every opportunity, but uh, there was a gentle takedown of him with no incident, no injury. Uh, just a, And it was kind of the same thing um, when you finally figured out who he was, criminal history in every state he'd ever been in, not part of his children's life. Uh, you start to see everything unfold. And a lot of them have the same background. It may not be exactly alike, but their problems have been festering up for a while. And the end result is us coming to visit. But we we pride ourselves on taking the time to negotiate. We really want to just talk. People think, you know, and they're they're always scared to come down or come out because they think the SWAT team's just going to, you know, jump on them and hurt them. That's not the goal. That is not the goal at all. Um, if we can get them out and they're complying, it's going to be gentle. It's it's not going to be anything rough like what you see in the movies or. You know, and you even see it on, you know, some of the TV, you'll see a a group take down somebody and they didn't really do it the right way. But we really pride ourselves. Our SWAT team trains hard. The negotiations team uh, trains hard. And the goal is to peacefully end and get a good resolution. 
So we've had, we've had several, you know, even the sheriff has done some and he has a very good demeanor with people, very good people skills. As you can imagine, he's learned a lot over his years and sometimes he's the best one to talk. So I don't know. I really, I, it's hard for me because I can't really say specifics. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it's hard. It's hard, you know, what people's perceptions are. And uh, so it's good to hear from your perspective as to how things go around and as what you're sharing. <laughs> well, and this last one, I'll tell you what was most interesting to me was he came to see me like a week later just to tell me thank you. And so I had an opportunity to talk to him and, you know, just said, is there anything that I did that, you know, made it worse for you? Is there anything I did that made it better? you know, to try to improve ourselves because we rarely get that opportunity. So it was really nice that, you know, he come back apologizing. He was embarrassed. He was sorry, you know, promised to turn his life around. Pray he does. If he doesn't, we've built a good rapport with him and now he trusts us. So if we do have to deal with him again, it shouldn't be near as difficult. Mm. He knows knows we're not going to hurt him. Yep. No, that's, uh, that makes perfect sense that, you know, when you are talking to him and asking him, you're able to get his perspective, you're asking for feedback. Mm-hmm. So there, I think, so a few comments here, and uh, Brittany mentions, would that be profiling? I'm not sure exactly where that was referred to in which part of our I conversation. Think, I think she's probably talking about where I said there's a lot of the same circumstances, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not... I don't think that that's something that you can call profiling. It's preparing and learning your education and training. There's a lot of training that goes into this. Um, And so you have to learn situations and people and how they may or may not react. What are the possibilities out there? Or if someone does act a certain way, what is your recourse from there? Um, Planning and preparing is what keeps people safe. It keeps your officers safe. It keeps the people safe. So I hope it doesn't come across as anything like that because I don't look at somebody and say, well, I'm going to have to negotiate with them. They're a bad guy. It's nothing like that. It's all repercussionary of them calling in or a family member calling in or a past. Somebody's calling us to tell us what's going on and we're reacting to it. Mm -hmm. So please don't take that the wrong way. If I said it wrong, I apologize because it's not a, a situation where we're profiling anybody. We're just, Everybody has a human behavior. And, you know, like I say, like if, if people get cornered, they tend to act violently. So even if I think you're not going to act violently, I'm going to, in the back of my mind, think you might. Because that's a self-protection, self-preservation for me. I'm an officer. Um, I'm putting myself in a very dangerous spot. You know, the worst things you can do is be in the middle of some emotional battle that has family involved. That is they don't care about you as an officer. They don't see you as an officer. They're so emotionally driven by what's going on and they don't want you there, but they don't understand that they're not thinking clearly that they're, they may actually hurt somebody. And then the next day have to deal with the repercussion that they've done hurt somebody that they actually care about and love, but they weren't in the right mindset to stop themselves at the moment. That's what we're there for. We're there to help get that little glimpse of reality back to them and say, oh, crap, this is not something I want to do. Thank you for not letting me do that. And that's evident from what you mentioned about him coming and talking to you. 
And Chris, uh, I do see your question. And uh, Melanie has illustrated, you know, how their department operates. I think so that answers the question. So Lester is asking, uh, would you know, how does your state department differ from that of the state of Louisiana? I do not how I don't know how the state of Louisiana works. Um, I've only worked in Texas. So I've met a couple of, uh, we had a couple of negotiators that came to our conference a couple of years, but um, spent a little time talking to them, but not in depth enough to answer that question. Then Jeff is asking, at what point do the police need to step in and not let family deal with things? Well, usually by the time they call us, it's already escalated to a point that our presence is necessary. Um, if they're getting scared enough of a behavior that they're calling us, then we need to go. Now, does it mean that a SWAT team is going to come and a whole negotiation unit is going to come? Not necessarily. It can just be the officers go and they may handle it themselves or they may back out and say, hey, this is, there's a very bad situation here. And now we need a, a specialized unit to come in. But there's many times, even as a patrolman, you go on disturbances and uh, domestic things with families, and you can handle them just fine. It's, it's the level of fear and, I guess, um, what means would be available to them for whatever threats they're making uh, that would determine what our response would be. Mm-hmm. So we have talked about the intricacies of your day in and day out operations. Let's uh, take your skill sets and bring it down into daily lives. So for example, there's so many situations that happen in organizations or even for entrepreneurial life or even for people for day to day life. Mm -hmm. Can you share some of the basic negotiation principles that you have used from your professional life into your personal life and in other areas? Well, and, and honesty, um, I think some people are naturally um, have people skills, I guess you would say. Maybe it's not structured. Maybe they don't know how they have it, but they get along with people. Um, that's pretty much how I am. I deal with um, a lot of different organizations. I'm either involved with them or, you know, stepping in as a speaker or whatever, um, even at, at home. Now, don't negotiate or don't try to use your negotiation skills on your spouse. That'll just um, not work because they know what you're doing. Uh, but that's a whole different level. Um, that, and that's a joke. But people always say that. Don't try to negotiate with your family. But in all honesty, um, in this community that I've, I've been in for several years now, I said I even have people that I have arrested or people I've dealt with that will still come up and just talk to me. Um, treating people like a decent human being, listening to them when they need to be heard. That goes a long ways. Um, I said the organizations that I'm part of and the things that I do even locally or outside of my community that still relates to my work, I have a very good rapport with everybody. Um, I've never, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about me. And I think it's because I'm generally a, a nice person. I'm not out to hurt anybody. I think even when I first became a patrolman, that was probably the only concern is, oh, she's too nice. I am very nice, but I, and I'm very patient. I've learned a lot of patience and how to listen to people and respond when I need to. I've, 
that's kind of a knack I've, I feel like I've had for years. Uh, training's been another thing that I did even before I liked, I told you the teaching thing. So it all kind of came together, but I even did that at a previous job for hundreds of people. Uh, never bothered me to be in front of groups of people and talk to people. I've always enjoyed it, but I, I don't mind listening to people either. And people are missing that. People listen to respond. They don't listen to listen. And I've worked really hard to try to master that the best I can. And like I said, at home, it doesn't always work. Maybe I let my guard down after, you know, almost 25 years. But in my day-to-day general life, I do try to do that. Uh, I've learned a lot moving up in the rank that I've moved up in. Everything has changed from just being a deputy coming in as a telecommunicator, uh, even from being a patrolman, a, a peace officer, to go into where I'm at now. Being over communications, there's a higher level of expectation that I'm actually good at it. And with communication comes listening. So it, it is very lucrative in all areas of my life. It's just a people skill thing. You don't have to be mean to be a peace officer. Um, you have to know when to be tough and have that um, stance about you that people know that they're, they're not going to hurt you or that you are going to handle your business. But they're two different things. You can you can do that at the same time. If even if someone were to cuss me the whole entire time, be mad because I'm taking them to jail, no matter what it is, when we get in that car, as long as they're not yelling to where they can't hear me, I, I put on that normal tone so they have to stop yelling so they can hear me. I'm still going to talk to them, and I'm not going to be mad at them, and I'm not going to take it personally, and I'm not going to take it home with me. It's they don't, it's not me, it's the situation. And I'm just the one that happens to be there wearing the uniform. So I don't know. It's just takes a lot of practice, I guess, over the years, but I'm older, I'm wiser. <laughs> so <laughs> good, relation, good relationships in your community mean everything. People need to know that they can trust you. And, you know, I would hope that that's the feedback that I get is that, People generally know they can trust me. If I'm asked to do something, I do it. I don't wait and and put it on a back burner and say, okay, well, I'll get back with you. If I'm asked to do it, I, I do it right then, even if I have to stop what I'm doing. If I can, I stop and I do it or I make myself a note so I don't forget and get it done at the first possible moment so that people know that they can count on you. Oh, that's very profound. And I really liked what you mentioned, you know, listen to listen and mm-hmm. So many people, as you mentioned, you know, people listen to respond back. It's not about the other person. And what is happening is that uh, there is some difference of opinion in people, you know, as we are rolling through these tough times. Mm -hmm. On one hand, people have one opinion. On On the other hand, people have another opinion. And what happens is that even neighbors, what I observed it was just an email going on or text going on. And if somebody says people are just flaring up and I understand that, you know, it's been a really rough time on people and a lot of businesses mm-hmm. have gone through a lot of troubled times. And yet we need to have that compassion for others. Yes. Well, you know, and that's what I, I guess I like about being in a small community Um, I like the way our community works together, our emergency management, our county government, our city government. During this time, we've all come together. We're not 
the people that you're going to see in the news going and arresting somebody for opening up their business or doing, you know, not social distancing. And, you know, we're, we're not, we're not trying to infringe on anybody. Um, you know, of course we want to be safe. You know, we've had our own cases that have popped up here. Uh, we're under, we're actually, you know, worried for ourselves too, because a sheriff's department has a jail. And so, you know, in Dallas, it hit them very hard. The the prisons, it's hit them really hard. And so we're doing everything we can to protect what we have, but we're not out stopping people for minor violations. We're not going to their house and saying, hey, everybody's getting a ticket because there's more than 10 people here and you're not six feet apart. We're not doing any of that because our community puts enough out that people understand. They know what they need to be doing. Now, some of them may need a reminder where an officer may have to drive by and go, hey, look, your party's really big. You're making your your neighbors a little bit nervous. Y'all, don't forget, you know, we still have a COVID issue. And then they're going to roll on. Nobody's coming to jail. Nobody's getting a ticket. I mean, they would have to just blatantly, I don't even know what they would have to do. But I said, smaller community, um, country living, I don't know what you call it, but a very good group of people that run this community and I like the way that we're handling it. I feel bad when I see some of these other areas and how things are being handled. I feel bad that that's the way they feel that they needed to pursue that. And I'm blessed that we're not getting those kind of directives. We're not, that leadership is not in this area. So, and you know, there's been many times that, you know, I've talked to people that I've pulled over from other areas and they tell me the way that they were treated or the way certain things happened with them. And, you know, I can only tell them, you know, I can only speak to what's here because this is where I was, you know, this is basically where I grew up 20 years and I can tell you how it is here. And I think it's just unfortunate when things happen in other places. Mm-hmm. And we have a couple of very quick questions because we are almost at the end of our show. So Amy has a question. Do you feel you need to have confidence about you for people to take you seriously? Yes. Yes, very much. Confidence is definitely key. Um, I will never answer a question that I don't know the answer to, for sure. I'm not going to try to you know, BS my way through something. Uh, If I don't know, I'm going to tell you I don't know, but I'm also going to come back with, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to find out for you. And then I go find out because what I've learned through my whole law enforcement career is you do not have to know everything. You have to make the connections for the people that are going to help you know what you need to know when you need to know it. And that has worked wonders for me, but I am very confident in what I do. Um, When I took over this new position, I haven't, you know, I hadn't been back in communications in years, um, I certainly didn't know the operations and tower sites and all this crazy stuff they wanted me to learn. I had no clue what I was doing, but I had a very, very good leader helping me that he set the foundation for me to be confident. And so I do believe confidence is it. Anything that you go into, be confident about it. Even if on the inside you're kind of shaking and you're nervous, you know, I was nervous to come on here. But at the same time, I'm excited and I know my job. I know my life. It's, we're just talking. It's, it's easy to be confident. So, yes, please, please, please be confident in what you do. Your heart and your, your heart's going to tell you where you need to go. You just have to follow it. And then 
it may not happen at the times when you want it to or you think you should. Like I said, I started out very slow. I did not get into this as young as I wish I would have, but I got there. And everything happens for a reason. Timing is everything. So don't give up. Be confident and just go do what you want to do. We have this life. Go do it. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, if uh, let's say, would you be open to sharing any information if they had any more questions, if they wanted to reach out? If not, we yeah. understand. Yeah, um, they could. I have an email, a work email that I think I've shared with you. If they, if they went through you and they really needed to speak to me, you could refer them to that work email or even the work phone number is fine. Okay. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing with us a different perspective. For our listeners, if you were to leave them with one tip that they could take and run with it in these tough times, what might that be? Um, be a good person. Don't, don't be selfish. Listen to people because you never, ever know what's going on with them. People mask things all the time. I don't have the perfect life. I'm not always happy. But, you know, I make... I make the best of it and I'm, I'm pretty dang blessed, but I've come across a lot of people in this, doing this type of work that they live a pretty rough life. And there's a whole lot of them that would never complain about it. And they're just good, hardworking people trying to make their way. So be a decent human, listen to people, don't judge people. And if you want something, go get it because you can do it. Hmm. Definitely. If you want something, go for your dreams and work for it. And remember, folks, it, things just don't happen in a day. It's about doing what it takes to achieve what you want. Mm, and correct. just by the fact, you're absolutely right. Just by the fact, folks, you're here. I'm so proud of you that you're taking time. You're listening. You're interacting. So thank you, Melanie. Thank you, audience. Well, I, I appreciate I appreciate the invite very much, Divya. Oh, it's been a pleasure, you know, because it's important to hear from different sides. It's important to hear different stories and different perspectives. And that's what we aim to do in our show is bring different perspectives so people can make their informed decisions as to what's going on. And we can support them through tough times and lead a better life and achieve what they want. Well, you know, and to uh, another part of this part is really find, find your people, find your people that you trust. Like I don't have a big circle because of what I do. You know, I'm kind of a private person. I'm an extrovert at work and, and when I'm out, but privately I'm, I'm kind of introverted. I have one best friend, but I would give my life for that person. And Keep you, you know, keep your circle small. Keep it a trust group. You don't have to have a large circle to be successful. You don't. You can work with a lot of people. You can like a lot of people, but I keep my circle small. That's just that's worked for me. Mm-hmm. No, great wisdom and great nuggets. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, audience. Thank you. And Rebel, thank you for making this show possible. And we will see you next Monday at the same time at 8 p.m. Be well and be healthy.
Take care, folks. Thank you for being part of Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Park. We hope you have learned more about how to start living the life you want. Each week on Beyond Confidence, you hear stories of real people who have experienced growth by overcoming their fears and building meaningful relationships. During Beyond Confidence, Divya Park shares what happened to her when she stepped out of her comfort zone to work directly with people across the globe. She not only coaches people how to form heart connections, but also transform relationships to mutually beneficial partnerships as they strive to live the life they want. If you are ready to live the life you want and leverage your strengths, learn more at www.divyapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at divyapark.com. We look forward to you joining us next week, Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.